Welcome to Petrifaction. I'm your host, Petey. And if you like stories about ghosts, monsters, vampires, the weird and mysterious, UFOs, Bigfoot, and other cryptids, you're in the right place. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Remember, friends, be prepared to be petrified. Hi everybody, this is Petey from Petrifaction Horror Stories. I want to welcome you to today's show. It is now episode 10 already. Can you believe it? This season is just flying by. So in today's show, we're going to take reports from case files from Stan Gordon. Now Stan has been an investigator of UFOs and Bigfoot in Western Pennsylvania since the Kecksburg in incident that happened in 1965 near Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. And we're going to do a couple monster stories that come out of his files. And after that, we're going to end with a Glimmer Man encounter. And this comes from Lon Strickler from Phantoms and Monsters. So it's kind of a Pennsylvania-based show today, I guess. It's going to be a good one, though. Monsters and Glimmer Man? What's a Glimmer Man? Anyway, it's going to be a great show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy it, folks. Remember, you're going to be petrified. This comes from researcher Stan Gordon. It involves mysterious creature encounters from the state of Pennsylvania. Stan is a researcher in the Kecksburg area of Pennsylvania. And for those that are UFO buffs, you'll know. Kecksburg in 1965 was the location of an unidentified object that crashed into the woods. And army personnel came in and retrieved something. What it is, nobody knows. But we'll do a story on Kecksburg at another time. Three very interesting encounters with some very unusual creatures have come to my attention recently from Pennsylvania. 
The Keystone State has a long history of not only observations of Bigfoot, but also of many other mysterious creatures as well. Year after year, members of the public come forward to report encounters with strange creatures and that aren't necessarily supposed to be existing. The following is a summary of some of the recent cases that have been investigated. The Creature of Mud Creek Road, Troy, occurred on April 11th of 2012. Stan says, I received a call from the man who, along with his girlfriend, had a frightening encounter with a strange creature on November 20th, 2011, outside of Troy in Bradford County, Pennsylvania. The fellow told me that what they saw scared the hell out of us. I was able to interview the woman involved on April 26th of 2012. After conducting extensive interviews with the driver and his girlfriend, I learned the following details. At about 11.05 p.m. that evening, they were driving onto Mud Creek Road, traveling west towards Highway 14 near Troy. As they continued down the dark road, their attention was drawn to the left side of the roadway. The man, who was the driver, saw some movement and mentioned it to his girlfriend. The woman initially thought that a naked man was crawling on the side of the road. The driver decreased his speed, swerved his truck in the middle of the road, and directed the high beams of his headlights towards the subject. The driver stopped about 40 feet away, and they soon realized that this was not a person, but instead a creature that was crawling very low to the ground. As they watched, the creature moved into a squatting position with its back completely straight. The arms of the creature were held tightly to its body. What looked like long claws that resembled the talons of an eagle were clearly visible. The claws were estimated to be about 8 to 10 inches in length. One claw was shorter than the other three. The creature had a muscular body. The head of the beast appeared to be oversized and shaped like that of a wolf. At the top of its head were two pointed bat-like ears that looked to be about four to six inches long. The entire creature, according to the man, was covered with dull, wrinkly, black skin. The man described seeing large canine-like teeth in its mouth. The eyes of the creature were about the size of a silver dollar and were shiny black. The man stated that even though he had his high beams directed at the creature, the eyes did not reflect at all. The man said he looked over the body during the 12-second encounter and for some reason thought the creature should have wings, but none were apparent. In the squatted position, the creature seemed to be about five feet tall. At this point, the creature moved in the left lane of the road and was about one to two feet onto the pavement. As the couple watched in amazement, the creature began to stretch its body. The man said that at this point, the animal started to stand up on its back legs while also falling over onto its front feet. The driver said that in this position, the creature seemed to be about six to seven feet tall. 
The animal then fell over on all four legs. The witnesses observed that the front claws of the creature was now two feet across the center line of the highway, while the back feet remain one to two feet from the edge of the road. The creature then turns its head to the right and looked towards the vehicle. The driver told me that it looked directly at them with a horrific expression, like it was panicked. The fellow saw it take a deep breath. He said the feeling that the creature didn't realize that it was being observed, and when it realized it was, it was like it was caught doing something. Once it realized it was being observed, it leaned back slightly and then reached forward with its claws. The creature then took one tremendous leap and cleared a seven-foot embankment and moved out of sight into a wooded area. The man estimated that leap was about 40 feet long. As it was in the process of leaping, it was perfectly straight and held its front claws forward. The legs, as it was leaping, were only slightly larger than broomsticks or about the size of a walking cane and were very long. Then, just a second after the creature was gone from sight, something else odd occurred. A large bird, possibly an owl, suddenly rushed at the passenger side window, almost hitting the glass, then took off and did not return. It happened so fast, they were unsure if it was an owl or not. The witnesses indicated that this creature appeared to be changing form. The driver said its shape was nothing like when it was squatted. The woman stated to me that it shaped into another form. She thought it was a dark brown color and looked like a werewolf with a little back hair. She estimated that when it was leaping into the woods, she thought it stood about nine feet tall. The woman, while reluctant to say it, said, I think it was a man changing into a werewolf. The man, after the experience, went onto the internet to try to figure out what he saw and told me that the closest way he could describe the creature would be a gargoyle with no wings. The man commented, I will never forget what we saw that night. This case happened in Fayette County in March of 2012, and this is also from Stan Gordon. This incident occurred on March 18, 2012 in the southern part of Fayette County in Pennsylvania. A man was walking his dog in a rural location at about 11.45 p.m. He was in the front yard and away from any lights when his attention was drawn to look upwards after hearing a whooshing sound coming from overhead. Flying above him at a distance of about 55 feet was a large flying creature that looked like a dragon. As the flying creature passed over an automatic dusk-to-dawn light, the witness was able to get a good look at the strange flying animal. The body was about 22 feet long, with a wingspan of about 18 feet, and it looked to be shiny with almost a reflective body with no scales. The color was dark, possibly brown and red, similar to auburn hair. At the end tip of the wings, it appeared to be talon-like fingers, about three to four in number. The arms of the wing structure appeared muscular. The wings were quite thick, not like skin. 
There appeared to be a rear fin on both sides of its body, and the creature displayed an arrowhead-shaped tail. The witness also saw what appeared to be two extended rear legs. The creature had a cone shape around the head, and it stopped flat on the base of the neck. The oddest physical feature that the witness mentioned to me was that the mouth and the eyes were illuminated with a very ominous orange glow. As the creature flew over a tree at the bottom of the yard and moved off into the distance, the fellow heard a deep throaty sound similar to the foghorn on a boat. The entire observation lasted only about 20 seconds. Another case not too far away from Fayette County happened in Washington County, Pennsylvania, just on the other side west of Pittsburgh. It was about 12.30 to 1 o'clock in the morning on April 23rd of 2012 when a man heard an odd animal sound coming from outside. The sound was a level growl or screeching sound that he listened to for about five minutes. The sound seemed as though it was just outside the window. The witness, in, intrigued by the odd sound, awakened his wife to see if she could recognize what type of animal it might be originating from. When his wife got up and they both heard the sound, she looked out the window across the road to a creek about 15 to 20 feet away. She then noticed what she thought was a deer standing up in the middle of the creek. Her husband questioned her why there would be a deer standing in the creek and why it would be making such a strange noise. He then looked out the window and saw an undetermined creature, dark brown in color and about the size of a deer. It could have been larger than a deer if it was peering over the retaining wall. The fellow said when it turned its head it appeared to have an elongated face, almost deer-shaped, but not as stubby in the snout. It appeared to be more pointed in shape. What could be easily seen were two big round amber-colored eyes that seemed to be glowing. The man estimated that they looked to be about the size of a golf ball. He didn't think that they were reflecting as a result of some street light some distance away. The witness commented that the freaky part was staring right at their house towards them. The couple noticed that whatever it was, the glowing eyes were staring directly in their direction. The man told his wife he was going to go out to check out what it was. Just then, something very strange occurred. Suddenly, the creature took one step and took off into the sky at a 45-degree angle and was gone. The witness stated, The speed was insane. I never saw anything move that fast. He also stated that he never saw a bird that big and that he saw no signs of wings flapping. This comes from Lon Strickler from Phantoms and Monsters. I want to tell you about a series of events that have happened to me starting in 2012 and could still currently be happening. My story is what I have recently found out could be called the Glimmer Man. I have never heard of anyone else seeing anything like what I've experienced before and I have also never seen the movie Predator. 
I know lame, but I just never have. My close friend Nick is obsessed with all things supernatural, and I am obsessed with true crime, so he suggested I watch The Missing 411 The Hunted. I did and loved it, and by the end I was pretty disturbed because I'd never before heard of anyone seeing something that was essentially a translucent figure like what I had seen. It really took me back because for years I've thought that either I had a psychotic break or that I'm a medium and can see ghosts. It never occurred to me that it could be something paranormal or anything like that. I told my friend Nick that I'd seen a translucent being, but that's all the detail I could admit to him. He told me I'd probably seen what's called the Glimmer Man and sent me a podcast so I could have my sanity validated. I've never told a single soul these stories. I've tried to block it out of my mind because I realized after the fact that it could be something sinister. And if it wasn't, then I couldn't tell anyone because I was sure they would think I was insane. This has really freaked me out for a lot of years now. I vowed I'd never tell anyone. But after listening to the other stories, I really think I need to. I refer to this thing as a mass because that's the best way I could describe it. Physically, it was translucent and had no discernible edges. However, I could tell it was made of something. If you took light, got it to refract through a prism, and took a picture of it, then cut that picture into a quarter-inch squares and faced them every single direction you can, all at random angles, that's what it looked like to me. I could see the blue, green, and red bouncing back to my eyes, but it all moved like static, so I couldn't hook on to a single section or coloring for long. This description is the same for every time I've seen it. The shape and the size are the only thing that changed, and it was by no means smooth. Usually the upper half would be sort of distended, but in a very rough, almost rocky cliff kind of shape. One last thing before I start. Two months before the first incident, my roommate Kylie made a suicide attempt that led to her accidentally drowning in the Boise River. It was not actually her intention, but very long story short, she passed away. I say this because I thought that this glimmer man was her trying to come back as a ghost. I thought she had come back to talk to me. I wanted in my mind to believe it was her. I say that to explain why I did not panic when I saw the thing on the first incident. I cannot explain why I was so calm on the second. So here goes. October of 2012. I'd moved to Portland, Oregon from Boise, Idaho, in the wake of my roommate's death. I was in my room alone at about 11 p.m. My room has a sliding glass door that connects straight to the backyard. I looked over towards the door in the corner of the room, and I see a strange mass that was about four feet tall and three feet wide. I would estimate the depth to be about three feet as well and was completely translucent. I blinked because I'd assumed it was my eyes playing tricks on me, but it was still there. Still, I felt very calm. The figure was very obviously focused on me. 
it didn't have eyes, but it's almost as if the top part of it was leaned in a little closer than the rest. And if I moved around the room, it would turn in my direction. Immediately, I think this is a ghost. It needs to tell me something. So I reached out my hand and the mass came towards me and lifted my hand very gently and weakly. But I did not have to use the regular amount of muscles it takes to lift my own arm. It was clearly lifting my arm for me. I would describe the feeling as if you took two opposite magnets and tried to force them together. Not the strength of it, but just like an invisible force that you can physically feel pushing you. It was completely even pressure where it would touch me, and it could move my hand and arm if I had it relaxed. I held out my arm and asked it to tell me who it was. The mass pushed on my arm to the left and led me through my room to a group of magazine posters on the wall. It lifted my hand up to the posters and it put my hand over a picture of a band I had liked. This is a band Kylie loved as well. So I said, move my hand up if yes and side to side if no, but are you Kylie? The mass moved my hand up. I got very emotional, cried immediately, but I held it together because I wanted to talk to her. I went and got a blank notebook and a pen and asked the mass to write me what it wants to say while I had the pen. The mass would move my hand while I had it on the paper, but none of the drawings made very much sense, so I asked it to move the pen instead. I was barely holding the pen. I just had it between my fingers to keep it upright. The mass started to move the pen across the page. I realized that I couldn't be imagining things because I could literally see the pen moving by itself, even though I was still holding the bottom of it. This went on for probably two hours. I tried and tried to get this thing, write something legible, but nothing looked like any type of letter. It was all just strange designs and shapes. I believe I still have this journal in my parents' storage area in Idaho. I plan on finding it and sending pictures of it once I leave Alaska this fall. This is where things get really nuts. What I'm going to say next is why I have never told anyone any part of this story before. If someone told me this, I would never think they were sane. My new roommate, Alexa, came into my room to ask me who I was talking to. All of the sudden, the mask got very tiny, like the size of a mouse, and it sat in my hand. I told her, I think Kylie is here talking to me and to watch this. I say, please move the pen for me. The pen and my hand start to move across the paper, and Alexa freaks out. She said this is insane, and she doesn't know what's happening but she said I need to stay away from her for the night. I was honestly too preoccupied to care about her reaction, and we didn't get along well anyway, so I just let her go. She goes to bed, and the mask gets really big, skinnier than before, but probably two feet taller than the start. It starts pushing my hand left and leads me to the door, out to my living room and to my front yard. I said, no, I'm not going, and walked back to my room. But it just, it just keeps putting pressure on my hand to get me to go out in the living room again. 
I oblige because at this point I am convinced that this is like the most lost soul of my close friend and nothing she could do would be dangerous. I go outside and it leads me to my car. I must have gone back in for my keys and coat because I remember wearing a coat, but I don't remember exactly how I got it or my keys. At this point, I'm in the car and I tell the mass, move my hand left or right for turns, up to stop and down t- and down for forward. The mass leads me out of my neighborhood and down at least a full mile to an area that is sort of industrial, but also looks like an abandoned park. I don't know how to describe it totally, and this is the only time I've ever seen this location. There are several big trees surrounding this place. It was like an open sort of park behind an individual building, so there were no lights, and there were several random pieces of abandoned scrap metal, just assorted random things everywhere. I got out, and it was very clear that the mass was putting pressure on me to go forward. I'm going wherever it's telling me to go. We get to the six feet tall and ten foot wide metal structure that has a little ladder on the side and it wants me to go up the ladder so I climb it. Then it's jolting my hand forward. But forward is the ground below. Hmm. It wants me to jump off the structure, which I did one time because it wasn't too high. And I sat down before I jumped to loosen the impact. Then the mass puts pressure in my hand side to side, which we had agreed was no, leads me back to the ladder and signals up like it wants me to climb. At this point, I'm realizing that I don't think this is my dead friend anymore. I'm thinking, I'm thinking something is tricking me, but I also didn't want to completely give up in case it was her. I climb up one more time and stood at the top. The mass signaled me to jump but I told it no. I said it's not fair because I'm alive and this could hurt me. So if you have something to tell me, you need to find another way. I climbed down from the ledge and the mass tried twice more to lead me back to the metal structure. I just couldn't be there anymore, alone in the dark in a weird part of Portland. I didn't want to be arrested or killed, so I said, enough, I'm going home. The mass tried to control my hand the entire ride home, even getting out of my car and walking up to my house. But keep in mind, the pressure is not that strong, so I was easily able to ignore it. I walked straight to my room and I kept feeling the pressure on my arm, trying to get me to go outside. At this time, and for the whole time we were on our outing, the mass was about the size of a basketball. I tried one last time to communicate with the mass via pen and journal, but I still couldn't get anything legible, so I decided to tell it that it's time to go. I walked out back and told the mass, it's time to go. If you're Kylie, then I hope you go to heaven, but I can't do anything further, so you need to leave. The mass was about 10 to 15 feet in the air and hovered, and it was big at this point, at least 7 feet, and then I walked back inside and closed the sliding glass door. I was hoping it was gone, but I saw the mass a few more times out of the corner of my eye. I chose to ignore it and just kept repeating, you need to go away. I can't do anything for you. I'm sorry. And eventually it was gone. I didn't see it again for a long time. 
I never talked about it, and my roommate never brought it up. I decided I must have a strange ability to talk to ghosts, but I obviously cannot tell the good from the bad. So I knew that I couldn't communicate with them if I ever saw them again, for my own safety. About six months goes by. I moved into a new house in Portland, and my brother and close friend and I drove down to Southern California for the Coachella Music Festival in April of 2013. A friend and I drove down for the weekend and then had to drive all the way back up the I-5 back to Oregon, but he had to drive because I dropped my driver's license on the first day of Coachella, so I had no ID. As soon as we crossed over the Oregon border, we stopped in a town, I believe Ashland, and a DMV so I could get a replacement temporary ID and share the driving. I had to fix my makeup before I went to get my picture taken and all that. So we stopped into a grocery store to use the bathroom. I believe it was a safe way. As soon as I got into the bathroom, I saw it, a vibrating, translucent, static mass, just standing in the corner, very ominously. I looked straight at it and assumed it was a ghost, and I thought it was probably lost if it was just sitting there. I can't explain why I did this. I'm not actually a brave person whatsoever, but at that point, I just felt overwhelmingly calm. I can't express to you how unlike myself that is for me to do. I proceeded to fix all of my makeup in the mirror. Then I turned around and looked at the mask that was still very obviously there, and I said, Look, you lost. You can come with me if you want. My thought process at the time was that Maybe I'll get another chance to help some lost soul or something. I'd blocked out most of my first experience and wasn't immediately remembering how terrifying it was. I did not touch the mask this time, but I could feel it following me in the same way that you can feel something watching you. I walked out of the store into the car where my car buddy was. He never mentioned anything about the mask being in the car, which could be because he slept almost the whole rest of the way. But I could see it in the but I could see it in the rearview mirror from time to time. This mass never changed shape or size. It was always about four feet tall and two to three feet wide, some sort of rectangular but very rounded. As we drove, I started to remember how bad of an idea this could be and realized I didn't want to do it anymore and that I didn't have anything left to say to the mass. When we got back to Portland, the mass followed me inside my house and stayed in my room for the next two days. I ignored it almost the whole time and started to feel guilty about that because I told it to come. The night before the last time I saw it, I told it, I'm sorry, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't think I can help you. You should leave so you can find someone who can. The mass stayed in the corner all night, and then, the next day, it was gone forever. Since that time, there have been multiple occasions where I've seen something like the mass out of the corner of my eye, but I've always avoided looking directly at it. After a few years of avoiding looking, I completely stopped seeing them. I live in Alaska now with my boyfriend. We have a house in the forest on five acres with a lot of tall trees. He watched the hunted with me, and afterwards, I told him, this really freaks me out, because I've never seen that before, referring to the saran wrap-like being the woman in the movie had described. 
He told me immediately, That's what I've been seeing looking into our windows. He told me he's seen these things multiple times, and multiple at a time. He's a hunter, and he will see them almost every time he goes on the hunts alone, but almost exclusively out of the corner of his eye. Very rarely can he get a full front view of them. He says they're following alongside him, and they don't have any trouble getting over obstacles like trees or rocks. He knows about Bigfoot and Skinwalker Ranch, but that's literally the extent of anything he knows about this sort of thing. I know he could not have made this up, and he said it to me before I ever told him any details about my experiences. Even now, he knows far less than what I've written here. It worries me that maybe the reason he sees them is because of me. He said it's only been in the last two years that it's happened, and that's about how long we've been together. Evidently, his sightings have been increasing lately, which is why I feel like I can't waste time. I have to get this information out to you. One last thing. My boyfriend has seen these so many times at our house, and we live four miles from a location where Michael Lamotre vanished on Mount Marathon in 2012 during the annual 4th of July race up the mountain. Our town swells to over 10,000 people during this race, so there were plenty of people to search or to have seen something, but no trace of him was ever found after numerous searches of the area. The animals all leave the area because of all the tourists, and there was no evidence of an attack. And this mountain is so close to downtown, it's impossible that he could have been lost. Makes me wonder if there's a connection. That's just my coffee pot. I know it's awfully loud, but it makes the best coffee. Check it out at LegacyBrewing.shop. That's where I get my great coffee, and you can too. That's all for today's podcast. I thank you for tuning in and I hope you liked the show. If you did, please tell a friend, give us a rating, and hit subscribe. If you have a story you would like to share on Petrifaction, you can contact me at pd at petrifaction at protonmail.com. And remember to check out today's show notes for more information on today's stories. Please return next time to hear more stories and friends be prepared to be petrified.